following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. It's so good to be part of the Nuts and Bolts workshop. I think it's an excellent idea in the midst of our conference. We can slow down a bit from the main conference theme and we can do a Nuts and Bolts workshop on the prophetic. We're always learning, we're always growing, we are always developing. One thing I've come to understand about the prophetic is there's no teacher-student relationship. It's student-to-student relationship. For we are all learning together. Uh, Last night we touched upon the revival and the coming reformation uh, and where that all is working through in our own lives today. Uh, Anything God is doing in the earth will ultimately land in the spirits of the people of God. It's prophetic in the sense of showing us what to come, but it's also immediate and part of our own preparation. We are a people that have been in significant transition over the last 15 years or so, uh, coming out of 20th century Christianity into 21st century Christianity. But this morning we're going to be looking at false prophets and false revelation as our nuts and bolts workshop theme. Uh, It's so vital that we are properly uh, equipped and prepared that we know how to identify false prophets and understand how they move really in the church. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, verse 15 to 23, that there would be false prophets. There's an emphasis on false prophets arising at the end of the age. Uh, And Jesus warns you and I more about false prophets at the end of the age than he does false Christs, and there's lots of Jesuses out there of many varieties, but there's only one true Christ Jesus. There are people masquerading as Christ out there today saying, I am he. Jesus put such an emphasis on false prophets over false Christs, false teachers, and false apostles. And they're out there, they're out there, there are many false teachers, false apostles, false Christs moving around in planet earth, trying to penetrate the church. Nuts and Bolts Workshop helps us to detect false prophets, psychics, and other deceptive spiritual voices. There are many voices out there, but we need to be very careful who we are listening to in this age. We also need to be in a place where we can guard the individual and the local church 
and protect the local church and individual believers from being deceived by the enemy into believing false revelation. At the end of the age, there's going to be so much demonic activity masquerading as the supernatural. Um, it's a supernatural era, and we see so much demonic manifestations coming through Hollywood in terms of themes and great signs and wonders being released on the earth. It's always a point of reference in our own minds that we're not seeking signs and wonders. We're not seeking the supernatural. We are seeking the Lord, knowing the Holy Spirit will lead us into all things. The supernatural can be a heady wine, and it can be a, a subject we need to handle with great care. This is not a message to build fear into the people of God this morning. It's a message to build faith into the people of God. It's mildly interesting information. Nothing more and nothing less. For there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. We are followers of the true Christ. And his mighty hand is upon our lives. Not all prophets and prophecy come from God. If there are true prophets, there will be also false prophets. And we need to know this up front. God's people can be deceived. You and I can be deceived. Jesus emphasizes this in Matthew 24, 24. I said to Bob in the, the green room before the meeting this morning, whilst I was sipping coffee and trying to look holy, that we all can be deceived. If I say to you this morning, well, I don't think I could be deceived, that's evidence that I'm already on a journey to being deceived. <laughs> so we need to be sober-minded. We need to be on the alert. Um, it's our responsibility to always test the spirits that are speaking to us. First John 4, verse 1. An example of a false prophet in the early church is in Revelation 2, 20, where Jezebel calls herself a prophet, but she was never recognized by the church, and she was not accountable or responsible to anyone at all. Therefore, she deceives. Jesus warned us about false prophets he said they would come in sheep's clothing, not in ministers' clothing. I would be very surprised if a false prophet came to Living Waters and tried to get up here. He is more interested in devouring the flock out there. They come in sheep's clothing, not in ministers' clothing like this is minister's clothing. <laughs> so we are sober-minded. We are on the alert. Most false religions were started by their own prophets who were false prophets. Joseph Smith started the Mormons, 
Mary Eddie Baker, the Christian Science Church. And I could start naming some false prophets that began their own religion. But we're moving into an era now, if I do that, I could end up in jail. I could end up with people bombing my house. It's rather annoying to feel that we're on the retreat as a people of God. And there's certain things we can't say anymore. How long are we going to allow the enemy to silence us? I'm not a troublemaker. I don't fight like a man. I fight like a big girl. (laughs) I never go looking for a fight. But I'm not prepared to compromise the word of God. I'm really not prepared to appease religious personalities by agreeing with their nonsense. The time will come when we are involved in a divine confrontation in the spirit of Elijah against the spirit of Baal. We must never enter into the worship of Baal by appeasing to the spirit of this age. Let's look very quickly at the marks of a false prophet. Remember, they will come in sheep's clothing. They'll look like a sheep, talk like a sheep, have great Christianese, have knowledge of the doctrines of the Bible. But underneath that, they're the hearts of wolves seeking to devour the people of God. What are the marks of a false prophet? Number one, they have no personal relationship with Jesus. That's emphasized by the Lord in Matthew 7.23. Number two, they use their own imagination. They will prophesy out of their own imagination. Number three, they give a false hope. If you hang around a local church for a while, you can begin to pick up on where some of the people are at and move alongside them in the name of having a prophecy and giving them false hope. Never sourced from the Spirit of God, but sourced from the false prophet's own imagination. False prophets have the heart of a wolf. A wolf, when he is attacking a flock of sheep in the natural, doesn't go charging into that flock of sheep seeking to take somebody out indiscriminately. A wolf watches on the prairie from a distance, looking into the flock for old sheep, young sheep, sick sheep, and wounded sheep. And so it is when a false prophet turns up in a local church, he will look across the congregation looking for old Christians, young Christians, windy Christians, and sick Christians, and begin to pick them off one by one in the name of, I have a word from the Lord for you. False prophets steal other people's revelation in the era of the internet. Well, you can go online and transcribe words that other recognized prophetic voices have given and false prophets can make that word their very own so that when they are speaking into their target group's lives 
their target group in their naivety and woundedness would say, oh, I heard a great man of God prophesy the same thing as you are prophesying why you really are a true prophet of God. False prophets intimidate people and control. It's all about intimidation. It's all about control. False prophets always fail the fruit test. Matthew 7, verses 17 to 20. Jesus warns us, you will know false prophets by their fruits. It's all about how people live behind the scenes. It's all about that evidence of righteous fruit in marriage and home life and consistency and how they speak about other people, how they handle their finances, how they operate ethically and morally. False prophets fail that test. False prophets do not bless or benefit the church. God has put true prophets into the church that she may be blessed, that she may be built up. False prophets do not respond to correction. If you try and correct a false prophet and say, well, that doesn't resonate with me, or I feel that that word is more about me being drawn to you to do what you want me to do rather than what God wants me to do, It's like pouring a pot of boiling hot water over a cat. There will be a lot of noise and reaction so quickly. Why do false prophets operate in the congregation? Why do they not want to get on the platform? It's because they're looking to build a power base in the church. We need to be able to resist and not allow our churches to be destroyed by such people. Outside the church, there is culturally acceptable models of obtaining revelation, i.e. the most frequently model would be fortune-telling, psychic readings. It extends into mediums, and spiritualist churches. And that's scary because often it's accurate information that's being peddled, but it has an occultic feel to it. The grown-up daughter of one of my friends in Scotland isn't a believer. And she went to a spiritualist church in Glasgow. And it was like what we would understand as church, hymns to begin with, And then the spiritualist minister came to the podium and started to pick people out from the congregation. And he asked my daughter's friend Kelly to stand. And he said to her, do you know someone called Mary? And she said, I know quite a few people called Mary. Then he produced a name And she said, yeah, that Mary is my auntie, yeah. Then he looked at her and said, do you know someone called Alan Ross? And I went, ooh, when I heard that story. I suppose I felt encouraged because I'm known in hell. 
I also assume I'm not very popular in hell. So there's lots of stuff out there masquerading as the true that is utterly false. There's other kinds of fortune telling like palm reading, astrology, numerology, tarot or other card readings, Ouija boards, consultings with mediums and spirits, as we've touched on earlier. But we need to know this, that if we engage with the false, we become defiled, utterly defiled. That is not a good thought. It's a massive business, a multi billion dollar business and Americans all over the USA are spending big bucks today to engage in this kind of activity. We're going to do some contrasts now between true revelation and false revelation. I believe the Lord is inoculating us so we can tell the difference between the true and the false very quickly but I know the heartbeat of this house. It means that we can also bring deliverance to other people who have been defiled by false revelation. So let's look very quickly at what it means to engage in true revelation versus false revelation. We understand immediately that Prophets are not Holy Spirit anointed fortune tellers. They're only telling you what God wants you to know at any given point in your journey. It's not a case of let's get a prophecy so we can know the future. I can explain why we do want to know the future. God has put in you and I the desire to know the future. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 and 12. But we also have the knowledge that we are eternal beings. That's a good thought this Saturday morning with all the problems running riot through America. We are eternal beings. We're only on earth for a long weekend. Nothing come at Sunday night or Monday morning. I'm not sure. Some of you will be Friday night maybe Saturday morning, it's over in a blip. Even if we live to 120, it's over in a blip. We have that sense of eternity within us. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord withholds a lot of information because we're not ready for it. I've noticed with people have had a lot of prophecies over their lives from credible prophets Often the information is all in the same vein, all in the same area. And I've had people say to me, it was an accurate word you gave me, Alan, but very similar to words I've been given from several other people, and I'm waiting for breakthrough. I guess I qualify for this in my own walk with God. For the last five, six, seven years, I've had words given to me by people, credible people, that big changes are coming to my life and ministry. Even on this trip, a word was given by a, a credible voice that very soon I'm going to go walking off a cliff and it will look like a high-risk proposition. But because of the faith in my spirit, I will walk off the cliff 
and be undergirded by the Lord, but people will be screaming at me, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But when I walk off the cliff, it will bring massive changes into my life. And what I walk into will be very big. Now that sounds wonderful, and it is wonderful. But whatever that means, whatever the prophecies of the last seven, eight years are all about, God has not revealed it to me yet. I think I'm okay with that. I do not want to move into a new phase of life and calling prematurely. I know the value of being slowly developed in the Lord, marinated in the Lord. So we need to hold our horses as they say in the best of movies. You can tell I watched a lot of westerns growing up. John Wayne to the rescue. Yeah, I wanted to be like John Wayne when I was a boy. Anyway, he's in heaven today. A name like Marion, you had to be tough. Goodness, that's worth, worse than a boy named Sue. But never mind. God bless Marion, a.k.a. John Wayne and all he is related to. It's dangerous for you and I to seek revelation ahead of God's timetable. For if you look into the Old Testament, there was someone that wanted to find out what the future held for them, and they ended up with a witch tormenting and destroying their lives. The false is out there, but we only want revelation from the Holy Spirit. When you visit a fortune teller, you become defiled or unclean in the eyes of God. Leviticus 19, 31. When you receive a prophetic word, you are made clean and drawn toward God. John 15, 23. Visiting a fortune teller also affects your standing before God in other ways. Leviticus 20, verse 6, I will set my face against this person. Now, in the New Testament church, what that means is the individual will come under the discipline of God. And at times, the wrath of God, if they're way, way out there, God's wrath is sometimes necessary to sober up a believer that's so far out there in demonic activity that wrath is another expression of God's love because it stops that individual going to hell. When you receive a prophetic word, you get a promise of destiny. Ezekiel 12, 25. I will perform what I have spoken, says the Lord. I always find that a great comfort in the whole realm of prophetic ministry that we can depend on God to fulfill that which he has spoken into our lives. But when a person visits a fortune teller, they are utterly left without help. When you receive a prophetic word, God will make it happen. But when you visit a fortune teller, you become entangled in bondage. Romans 6, 
Verse 16, you become a slave to sin. But when we receive a life-giving word, we are liberated. John 6, 63 and John 8, verses 36 to 37. Praise God, the Spirit gives life. And prophetic words are spirit and life. Prophetic words do not have the same value do not have the same value as the Word of God. The Word of God is unique and it stands alone, but prophets and prophetic ministers bring words from God that do need to be judged and tested. It's imperative that they are judged and tested. I know of some stories of false prophets in the USA that are horrifying and you wonder how Christians could find themselves deceived by a false prophet in the first place I know of a false prophet who operated in California many years ago a man who turned up at church and began to put target young old Christians sick and wounded Christians and introduced himself privately to them as a singing prophet. Now, if you were called to be a singing prophet and sing prophecies over people, you think the very least the Lord could, would do would give you a good singing voice. <laughs> but this man couldn't sing. He sang like dogs barking. And this young couple that were particularly enamored with the singing prophet took him to the pastor of the church. The pastor had a look at him and spoke to the young couple privately and said, I do not like the look of this man. Watch yourself, have nothing to do with him. They told the false prophet. He immediately said, I'm being persecuted because of the great calling on my life. So the false prophet suddenly found himself living with this young couple. They were bringing their impressionable Christian friends to their home for house meetings. He would walk around and start singing over people. Then at one of the meetings, the false prophet walked over to the young man's wife and started singing over her that she was to be his spiritual wife. So they moved in that night to a spare room in this young couple's life. The false prophet now had himself a, a spiritual wife. His songs became more destructive and abusive, and one by one, the people started leaving this home group meeting till the false prophet was left alone with his spiritual wife and the young man and the couple's little child. One day the young man woke up. See, we're only deceived for so long. Beware, we can be deceived. We've all been deceived as Christians, but it only lasts so long. And he woke up and went, wait a minute. There's a man in my spare room, my guest room, in bed with my wife, he says that she's his spiritual wife and he claims he's a prophet. 
This is utter nonsense. So he walked into the guest room, pulled his wife out of bed, and told the false prophet to leave. But the young woman was still under his control. He wouldn't leave. And he started singing prophecies over the young woman that she was to discipline her child through beatings. And he would dictate the pace. He would dictate the pace. Do this. Hit, hit him now with, with a bat. And during one such disciplining session, the young woman killed her son. He then sang a prophecy over the young woman that God would raise the child in the third day. So now the false prophets in this house with a man and wife and a dead child. And the third day, nothing happened. And he blew town. He tried to get out of it as soon as he could. The young couple went to the police. They told the police what happened. They arrested this so-called singing prophet who tried to put it on the young couple. But the Californian police were not buying in. He's in prison today. I hope it's in Sing Sing prison. I hope he shares a cell with him, with Baba, who prefers men to women. That is a classic example of deception. That is scary, incredibly terrifying. But false prophets, false revelation takes us captive. Takes us captive. It's going to be a significant tool of the enemy at the end of the age. So we need to be trained and equipped. We need to be able to judge and test prophecies. True prophets want their words tested, judged, weighed in accordance with scripture, input from leaders that have oversight of their lives, input from close spiritual friends. A true prophet will not claim infallibility. He will say, you need to judge and test every word I give you. He will say that I bring words from God, but it's not the same standard as the word of God. Any true prophet worth his salt will say, live in the scriptures. If you want to hear from God, well, enter into the spirit of the scriptures that come through the scriptures. If you don't know what that means, I encourage you to find out what that means. In many ways, even the best prophecy from a true prophet will only be an extension of the mind of Christ in your life. It will identify where you're at, where you're coming from, where you're going. The Lord may reveal things to come because he wants you at this moment in time to know things to come, but he may not. He may choose to remain silent. Do not stand before a true prophet with a shopping list that God must speak into. Because if you do that and it doesn't happen, you may be tempted to visit your near, nearest fortune teller or have, have a psychic reading. That unhealthy desire to know the future can put us into the hands of someone operating in witchcraft. 
false prophets move in witchcraft and can impose on the believer a powerful delusion. True prophets have only one intent, to share some things that are on the mind and heart of God for a saint. True prophets are also heavily accountable. The more authentic the prophet, the more he will have significant joinings in his life. A true prophet will belong to a number of ministerial associations, not just paper memberships, but relational memberships. A true prophet's journey will reflect the changing seasons in his life. When I turned up here in 1999, I guess I was a product of the charismatic movement and certainly had joinings. But all those joinings have changed dramatically over the 23 years I've been coming to Living Waters. I have a joining here, a very strong joining in Living Waters. I'm a member, my wife and I are a member of this church. And um, it's also been a massive privilege and honor to be appointed the in-house prophet of Living Waters Church. I'm also an Assemblies of God pastor in Scotland, fully accredited and suitably graduated. I've spent a lot of time being a pastor in Glasgow and pastoring pastors, sometimes pastoring leaders in my home city. But I'm also, and have been now for 21 years, a member of Go I Am in New Hampshire. In fact, way back in 2001, I was licensed and ordained as a minister of the gospel through Go I Am. Bob was there that night and spoke into the ordination ceremony. So if a false prophet turns up at church and he's trying to get connection with you, ask him who's responsible for his ministry. If he says nobody, I just go wherever God tells me. And if they're not responsive, I wipe the dust off my feet and move on to the next church. You've got a big problem looking into the whites of your eyes. Have nothing to do with that individual. Speak immediately to Pastor Renee or any of the leaders of the house and alert them to the conversation. Alert them to what is going on. False prophets have a double standard. They impose very high moral, ethical, and scriptural standards on their followers, but live a double life. And all they're really interested in is your money. False prophets are deeply immoral. False prophets would make the Rolling Stones blush. False prophets are self-centered and want to consume the people of God for their own benefit. Right now, I would think if I had a conversation with a false prophet, I would pick him off immediately. I would read him clearly and refuse to buy into any of his truth claims. But would I? Maybe not. Because Jesus has warned you and I about the power 
of deception. A witchcraft spirit came on Germany in the 1930s and raised up a party that brought the nations to war. A, a demon-possessed man starting to systematically destroy God's holy people. If we look through the annals of history, we can see that the power to deceive is a major tool in the enemy's kit to destroy the nations and to destroy the body of Christ. Praise God we can live in the true. Praise God we can work out true prophets and true prophetic voices very quickly. The best solution I find is live in the scriptures. Live in the spirit of the scriptures. I encourage you to pray to the Lord for inheritance scriptures that are part of the inheritance the Lord wants you to have when you're on earth as well as the scriptures that will reflect the inheritance you have in eternity. I've come to also understand that our true riches are in Christ Jesus and our inheritance is so heady and it's so lofty that we will probably not we will probably not experience most of our inheritance when we're on the earth. But the Lord does want to take care of you and I. Not just enough to get by, but to bless us. Bless us mightily. Bless us powerfully. And when you discover your inheritance scriptures, then you can live in them day by day. Read them over and over and over, I have come across a new name for the Holy Spirit in Scripture that I was meditating upon this morning as I was getting ready for a session, the Good Spirit. Holy Spirit is a good spirit who wants to bring the goodness of God to you and I in the here and now, as well as working all things together for a good in the big picture of our lives. That really encouraged me this morning and I prayed the goodness of God would come into our gathering together. That really encouraged me that as a Christian community, we are absolutely ensconced in the goodness of our God this morning. Good spirit. Amen. He's only done me good. He's never done me any harm. Unlike the demonic spirit that was in me pre-conversion, he never did me any good. He always did me harm. Even when I thought I was in heaven because of the pleasant places addiction took me, I thought I was in heaven, but I was really in hell and didn't know it. I needed a wake-up call. I needed a reality check. So let's stay close to that good spirit and test the spirits. Test the spirits to try and get our attention. You're in a good house to be safe in the prophetic, a well-developed prophetic house, a well-developed place where you can find your own prophetic function, whether you're being a hearer or a seer. 
You should be doing both. Whether you're understanding what it means to be part of God's bigger prophetic picture or listening to the truth claims of one who turns up at living waters and tries to speak a word over you. Never be deceived by accuracy in the word. Take hold of the spirit behind a word. False revelation has an occultic quality. And it feels like for all of you over 50 that remember blackboards in the classroom. Do you remember the sound a blackboard would make when you ran your fingernails down? The whole class would go, Roger! Anyone speaking even an accurate word, but with an occultic spirit behind it, will make you feel the way you felt when someone ran their fingernails down the blackboard. We need to be militant in this area. False prophets, if they can de develop a power base in the church, can destroy a church, shut it down, leave the leadership broken, disorientated, and confused, and scatter the flock that they would never want to touch the prophetic again, true or false. Yeah. Let's continue in a forerunner journey as being a people moving towards revival and engaging in the processes of the coming reformation. But the apostolic and the prophetic is vital to what the Lord will build into you and I in the future. So we go forward sober and alert and be willing to learn together. Police the prophetic together. Be a church that knows and loves the Lord in the midst of a corrupt and perverse generation. We're just going to have a time of question and answer, and obviously our subject this morning has been false prophets, but you may have questions that don't uh, greatly, directly relate to that, but just about prophecy or how Alan functions as a prophet. That is a very valid question as well. Um, the reality is, if you get to know the authentic, then you pick up the false very quick. So any, any questions are fine. And uh, I will bring the mic to you so that they can be on the tape as well. Okay, I wrote down something, but I'd like you to maybe elaborate on it a little bit because I may have gotten the words wrong. But I have here that we have an obligation to defend the local church against false prophets. Mm -hmm. Now, I did catch that you also mentioned that we should alert our local leadership if we felt that. But can you elaborate or talk a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. And um, basically, I highlighted the four people groups a false prophet will come in and look for, um, and he will pick them off one by one. And if anyone's in that category and hearing this message, and someone comes into the church looking good, talking well, very loving, charismatic, 
and starts the process of, I have a word from God for you. That's a good time to alert the leadership, whether it's true or false. But if somehow or other they give you the word without seeking your permission, and it has an impact more negative than positive, then run as fast as you can to the senior pastor um, or a recognized leader in the church. To take it a little bit further, the only reason I can minister here this weekend in the pulpit and prophetically is I've been given permission by Pastor Renee, Brian, Bob, Colleen, and all the elders of Living Waters. I can only be a prophet this weekend because I've been given permission. And likewise, I know this house has a prophetic policy that when to release a word, when not to release a word. In other words, the leadership of Living Waters know those who labor amongst them. And the big problem generally comes from the outside, I find. We all have bad seasons in Christian life. We can even have a bad season in church life and feel put out and a little bit angry. And if someone in that frame of mind that's known and loved by the congregation prophesies an angry word over somebody, then you don't take them round the back of the building and give them a good drubbing. You know they're in a hard season. You know they're angry. They're all over the place emotionally. A gentle word of correction is probably best you don't prophesy at the moment when you're processing A, B, and C. But we're here for you in that journey. We can pray for you, listen to you, hope the word of God encourages you Sunday by Sunday. Um, that's a different scenario from the one who walks in that door, sits halfway to the back of the church and begins to scan the congregation. A church... The prophetic life of a church is as healthy as the government in that church that monitors and handles the prophetic life. It's not surveillance. It's not policing in the aggressive sense, but it is necessary. But then the government of a local church is there to govern in every area of life and godliness. So the prophetic fits neatly into that rather than a standalone issue. Has that answered your yeah. question? Good, thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. So, um, God communicates with people lots of different ways, you know, pictures, words, feelings, all that stuff. How do you receive the revelation that you get when you're giving a word to people? Is it more than one way? Or, and then how do you know how to deliver it, to give it to the person? Thanks, Leslie. Um, I, I guess I would be a nabi prophet, to use uh, an old Hebrew word, but it just bubbles up in me. I would say that's about 75%, but I also get pictures that either confirm what I'm saying to be accurate or a picture that will cause a bubbling up and an overflowing. Um, how do I frame it? How do I speak it? Oh, well, it is by faith um, and it is by grace and mercy. So I filter out things that maybe not be helpful. If there's a big negative I've become aware of in the person's life, 
I run with a righteous perspective of it and would frame it in this is what God is going to do in your life rather than this is what you're doing right now and it's maybe not the best. So anyone listening would think that's a great prophecy. That is a wonderful prophecy. But they wouldn't really know what was going on in the person's life. And it's none of my business either. All I, I'm only really the mailman at the end of the day. I deliver the mail. And um, the person reads it, reads the letter and goes, okay, we can, we can work with that. Um, yeah, that, that question's really made me think in terms of delivery. I never really think in terms of how I'm going to frame a word other than the biblical principles that I've mentioned. But if it's a true word, Leslie, and it's transcribed, God is a God of order, there should be an opening paragraph, thematic paragraphs, and a closing paragraph. In other words, it's like a letter, well thought out, well laid out. It should never cause confusion. That's okay. That's good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? You're not supposed to do this. If there's any kids in the room, don't do that. <laughs> so this is more for, um, this is experiences I've had at work. People, I'm a Christian, because I wear those Christian shirts. No, that's not mine. But they do know, they do know, and um, I had one friend that went to a psychic and another friend that was, uh, she's part Indian, and unknowingly she had, uh, was into like tarot cards, and then she uh, was doing this to her friends, and then there was a manifestation. And so I'm trying to talk to them, but they're, un they're really kind of unchurched people, and they don't really understand the supernatural. Um, so I'm trying to like saying, you know, don't do that, don't go to this. Well, I got this accurate thing, you know, and it's like, well, demons know what happened in the natural, you know? And so I kind of want to know like how to, these are, um, one girl's quit, but one girl's still there and she wants to go to a psychic again. What, what is your so like, how would I address this, being there unchurched and to get them yeah. to maybe see the light? Mm -hmm. Well, that is a good question and a complicated question um, because their values are not the values of the kingdom of heaven. I do know of a famous pop singer in the UK that his father died suddenly and he was ready to go to a psychic to try and make connection with his late dad. And it was a believer that challenged him. He said, please don't do that. And they gave him Bible verses and warned him and he was so impacted by the concern of this believer that he went on a journey and became a Christian. He was a very famous Christian in the UK now and has been since 1966. He goes way back. So you can't speak to your friends out of concern. You can talk about the supply they're bringing into the life. Is it the best supply available? At least have a gentle conversation. And if you feel you can say this to your friends, speak about how the word of God prohibits any dabbling with mediums, fortune tellers, psychics. It even opens a conversation up to 
If you give your life to Jesus, you can hear from the Lord directly. But it depends on the strength of relationship there. What you can do is start to pray their eyes will be opened and they'll see the danger of dabbling in that medium and bind up the spirits that are drawing them into destructive practices. So there's two options there. But if you try and stop some people going to mediums and psychics, they become very angry and defensive. And that's part of the deception. So your issue right now is not what you're going to do in this situation, but pray for the wisdom that the Lord will lead you along the right path. Uh, Alan, you, you talked a bit about, I mean, the, the real extreme uh, false prophet. Are there people that you would consider who prophesy, but just prophesy inaccurately, and you wouldn't call them necessarily a false prophet? Um, that would be one question. The second question is nationally. Um, how, do you, how do you know false prophet, a national voice? Because there's so many voices out there. We talked a little bit about that, but there's so many voices out there mm-hmm. prophesying in the name of the Lord, but it just, some of it just doesn't click. It doesn't seem, you know, mm-hmm. true or right or... Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, thanks, Dave. That is a very good point, and it needs addressing, actually. That's, this is a very important point. If a believer prophesies inaccurately... It doesn't mean they're a false prophet, far from it. Even if a national Christian leader prophesies inaccurately, it doesn't mean they're false prophets. What it really means is they should stick at what they're good at and leave the prophetic people to get on with their job. In fact, Dave, at the risk of pushing the boundaries a little bit further, I think because of the wave of prophecies that have come down line from very high-level Christian leaders in the USA regarding the economy, politics, moves of the spirit, all with a very high specificity. Nothing's happened. So what do we do? Do we just continue like it was never said to begin with? No, we have to deal with a bigger fact in this scenario, that because of the damage done by many prophecies given out of soulish enthusiasm, the subject of prophecy has fallen into disrepute in the minds of many American Christians. So not false prophets, but I would say they should stay within their calling and their anointing. I think zeal makes people want to prophesy. And it's not always bad. It's often biblical and good. But it doesn't edify the spirit. At most it can inspire the soul. And then it fades away. So a big shift in the prophetic is the prophetic becoming more corporate in nature than individualistic. Instead of receiving my word that's part of my happiness package, the big question is, what does this word mean for the wider body that I serve? Are my local churches? Are having been called into a season of training and preparing for whatever the future holds? 
And that will start to narrow down the, the meaningless prophecies. Are prophecies that ministries give at the beginning, beginning every year, saying 2022 is the year of one, two, three, four. But in reality, that, that would apply to any believer anyway, at the beginning of any year. It doesn't necessarily mean there's an emphasis on it for 2022. It's part of being educated properly in the prophetic so that we can deal with what really at the end of the day is the shallow end of the prophetic. It's harmless. People are splashing one another with it. Um, but when it comes to high-level leaders releasing words into the nation with high specificity, and it doesn't come to pass, they need to be held to account and basically told to be quiet. I'm not sure who would do that, they would, only laugh, they would laugh at me if I turned up. They would say, Alan, you fight like a big girl, go away. Yeah. But you know what? It's the elephant in the room and it needs to be addressed. I want to piggyback, I want to piggyback on that. Can you just talk a little bit about when that happens of the procedure of taking proper ownership of the word and either apologize, what, what, what should be done when we did miss, especially whether it's in a local church or on an in, a national level, when it obviously was a word that was incorrect. How, do, how does the person that gave it properly take ownership of what they released? Thanks, Bob. That is a very good question. Like everything else, it needs to be addressed governmentally. And basically, we're not attacking the minister, we're holding him to account in a way that's loving and with a wider concern for the body of Christ. I've heard that word, as well as the ongoing fruitfulness in the ministry of that man or woman. So probably the most practical way would be in a concerned body's region, having a number of highly credible pastors or leaders write to that minister and the CC to the oversight of that ministry. In some cases, they don't have any oversight. But nevertheless, it's engaging in a dialogue with a conclusion. And if there was words given about 2021, the outcome of elections, economy, a move of the spirit and California that will do one, two, three, and four, and none of it happens. It's not attacking the person that's entering into dialogue. And that has happened, Bob. And there's some significant ministers have apologized to the body for getting it wrong. That's a true man of God. I got it wrong. I can accept I've misled people. I've confused people. And the outcome would be in the future, if I feel I have a word for the nation, I'll have it judged and tested by prophetic leaders before I release it. So there's a way through. But the PS in the letter would be, we love you, brother, but please stay in your own gifting. And your gifting has really helped me, blessed me, encouraged me. So it can be handled properly, Bob. Yeah. Good. Yes, Sue. 
Uh, some of those words that were released to the nation did not have a timing on them, right? So, I mean, it's just like words given to us. We don't know, you know, when it comes to pass. It's the uh, words that were given with a timing, right, that we're talking about that should be corrected. Well, both, but a higher standard is applied to words given that will be fulfilled in a timeline. Right. But... If a word's given that the Lord's moving the USA into revival and he's raising up apostles and prophets to be part of the coming reformation and how he will raise up young people, which is more than likely to run with this reformation, then we could read that and look at it as a generic prophecy. And if it has a certain resonance in our spirits, then we could say, yeah, this will probably come to pass. There's probably no real need for engagement with the source. But you know what? When people say these things, it's accurate, but it's not by the Spirit. They're probably only regurgitating what someone else has said. So it's a maturity issue there and a wisdom issue that their oversight just begin to address. But often... They don't. Our sweet spot in ministry is our, is our giftings and our strengths. Um, the prophetic does feed into human ego. It really does. And generally, that's why misleading prophecies are given. But it's still very different from false prophecies and false revelation. Maybe the body of Christ just needs to grow up a lot more. But if we can hear and discern, judge and test prophecies, we're less susceptible to being upset by soulish prophecies that don't go anywhere. But they're not necessarily wrong in themselves. I thought that's what we were supposed to do, is test them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally, Marjorie. Yeah. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, in Ephesians, it talks about the, the office of prophet. And um, I guess my question is, is someone born in the office of prophet? Is that, or can that be something that the Lord has this season for you to be the office of a prophet, and now he wants you to do something else? Or is that like an innate gift that you're born with? Well, you're not necessarily born with the gift, but you would be born even into this world with the seed of the calling in your spirit. But what happens first is the new birth. Then that calling begins to emerge, either gradually or suddenly. Um, I believe it's birthed in you without repentance. It's irrevocable, and you will be a prophet for eternity. Um, but the Lord may call you into other Ephesians 4 verse 11 giftings. You could end up being a pastor or a teacher, potentially even an apostle or an evangelist. But I think it would be more inclined to be married to the original gift of prophet. But most prophets start off being pastors because it's the most familiar ministry gift in the church. 
And when they sense the call of God in their lives, as young Christians will go off and study at seminary and be recognized by a stream or a denomination and brought in as a pastor, but the call of prophet will be breaking out at some stage too. They can end up doing both. I do both. When I'm home, I'm a pastor. When I'm on the road, I'm a prophet. And when I'm in the house, when I'm in my home, I'm a high-level coffee drinker. So it's a calling changes, evolves, and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit into our future. Has that answered your question okay? I think so. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I want to come back to the national prophetic words. I watch a lot of Christian um, prophetic programs and news and um, prophecies given for the nation on, on my TV and uh, well-known prophets that are known nationally. But um, I'm still not clearly understanding um, if the word they've given is right on and lines up with the word of God or the heart of God. Um, they have spoken where people have accused them of not hearing from God because it hadn't come to pass yet. And my question is, are there times when a word is huge, and it is for the nation, but it's our part to pray it through? And how do we put a time limit or a frame on God to perform it? Yeah, thank you. That is an excellent um, question. The best way to deal with events that are prophesied is in Scripture. And we're really talking about end-time events now, which is a very different language prophetically from other seasons. Um, and the best way to go is look for signposts in the scripture and test the detail of what someone's given you against that. Um, the specifics mean that generally prophesying into end time events is an exercise in futility. As a rule, it doesn't happen. And they're maybe even prophesying out of their theological hobby horses. But you will be safe with the signposts of Scripture. And <clears throat> as I said last night, the Holy Spirit is illuminating a lot of end-time passages at the moment. Not to give us a date and a time, but <clears throat> to prepare us in spirit for the days that lie ahead. End-time prophetic Scriptures are quite controversial. And little wars rage in the body of Christ but <clears throat> I do feel adequately signposted right now that I'm comfortable with most of my own end time perspectives. I think we're right at the end of the age. Uh, I believe we're on the cusp of a final outpouring before the Lord returns. And uh, we're seeing the increase of lawlessness and evil, a great darkness coming on the nation, a world really being bombarded by crisis. So... End time theology is best served as an academic discipline that's brought down to where mere mortals like you and I live on a day-by-day -day basis. But we can be encouraged that the Lord is coming soon. High specifics and timelines and detail may be best left <clears throat> to an area of speculation rather than dogma but we can work out our speculations in conversation one with another. There's nothing like community to balance all of views. 
I find it stops you getting too far out there. For what it's worth, and this is only my own opinion, but it's a considered opinion, and it could be so wrong, it's laughable. But I believe this is the century the Lord will return. I really do. Now, I'm not being dogmatic on that. The conclusion is based on the signposts. Now we've got this big electronic loop around the world where we are being monitored by our governments daily. It's almost a total surveillance society. And I can see politically and economically how there's now a need for a one-world system because nations can no longer survive on their own. The pandemic has plunged Western nations that were already heavily in debt and couldn't pay it back into places economically where they're bankrupt. I can see in the future, nations will have to enter into debt forgiveness, but at the same time, have a collaborative power to govern, deal with economic issues, political issues, even religious and social issues for the common good. And we'll be filed away as peripheral individuals that are matters of thought are under that rather drab and nondescript title, religion. And there's already a formation of a one-world religion where everyone's syncretizing together, agreeing with what they have in common and airbrushing out their distinctives in the name of global peace. So we're in this embryonic phase. It's just how much longer we have to go. But it's a heady wine. It's not not wise to deal with specifics, but we know we're in the season. And that's all Jesus asks us of, of us, to be aware of the season. But if we need a good dose of encouragement, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, puts a smile on my Scottish fizzer every time I read it. So we can be encouraged in the scriptures and look at the Lord to take us on a program of induction that step by step we will see what the end time scriptures are really saying rather than what we think they're saying. So my, my, my trouble, my problem with all this is that um, I'm not so specifically talking about quote end times but the last year or two the national prophetic words coming forth for, let's say, America with what we're going through and all the corruption. Um, my question is, people have accused these prophets after a year time of not seeing it, quote, happen. So my question is, are we as a church to pray on that prophecy to bring it through? And where do you draw the line that it wasn't true and he made a mistake? when maybe God is still working behind the scenes, but it hasn't come forth visually to the church yet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, that's what yeah. I don't understand. Where you draw the line of when they made a mistake and prophesied wrong, and when God is working behind the scenes, but it's not manifested yet. Mm -hmm. Well, a simple response is simply praying over any genuine mm -hmm. prophetic utterance the Lord has released if you feel very drawn to look at a specific prophecy, judge it and test it. And if you feel it has a resonance in your spirit, 
You can pray into the ongoing development and fulfillment of that prophetic word. But the passage of time reveals what's accurate from inaccurate. And while it's a thorny subject, highly emotive subject, in the body of Christ, we don't bring punishment, we bring mercy. And that helps us deal with it emotionally. But ultimately, it's not a responsibility. We're acting as watchmen, we're praying, we're believing. And when all else fails, get in the scriptures. Stay strong in the spirit of truth that's in the scriptures. And put prophetic utterance from anyone on the margins of your walk with God. The book of Revelation is pretty tasty, especially the final chapters. It all works out. We're in a good place. Yes, my sister. So, um, do you get words for people that you feel that God is telling you not to release? And how do you know if you're supposed to release something or if you're supposed to just pray into something? Well, anything a release would have a, a righteous and mercy based to it. I've been told by the Lord not to pray for people before, and it's because of what was about to hit their lives. Um, I remember being in a church in New York, an Assemblies of God church, and I told the pastor, I'm not prophesying over you because the Lord wants you to work on previous prophecies that you've been given and it took him in an incredible transition, very traumatic transition. So the Lord was pulling the veil over what was about to happen so he would be able to dig deeper in things the Lord has said historically. But we should pray over every prophetic word and seek counsel. Um, I would, yeah, there's no, even if you really feel God's spoken to you through a prophecy, Seek counsel and let it become something that was seeded into you, well-developed and holistic. The more you walk with the Lord through a prophecy, he will give you confirming scriptures, maybe even confirming words. And if another prophet or prophetic voice prays over you, there'll be an overlap between the new word and the word you were given. But it all goes back to testing it in the living word, the written word, the preached word, and only operating out of the illuminated word in your heart that your leadership and people around you support and say you know that you know that you know you have to do this. It's meant to be very safe. That's why governance around the prophetic is so important. We don't do well trying to fulfill prophecy on our own. I've always said the parking lot, the coffee shop, and the restrooms are not a place to be prophesied over. It's best in community where people are listening, saying, well, I know her quite well. Yeah, I can see how that word would fit. Yeah, I can see where that word would do a deep work in her life. Or alternatively, I don't really think that's an accurate word. In some ways, the congregation is almost the jury and the, the leadership is the presiding judge. And if there was a big issue, collaboration between the congregation, the person involved, and the leadership 
over a prophetic word if it was felt it was wholly inaccurate could lead to a great dialogue between the prophetic voice and the entire church. It's nice and safe, which is the way it needs to be. Has that answered your question? Good stuff. Thank you. Got time. time for one more question. If there is one. Oh, you have one. You're shy? I said I'm timid and shy with my question, but I'm going to I'm not sure if this is a question or if it's a comment. But in relation to the American or uh, the American body of Christ, I'm noticing all these prophetic words and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And I'm, uh, I know a lot of ministers online or on YouTube or whatever. And there's a lot of comments and, or I mean, prophetic words that keep coming about the same um, subject matter, uh, like you had mentioned, political and economic and all that. And I wanted, I guess my question is, is it the Americans' need for uh, using these words as signposts instead of doing the work ourselves, going to the Lord ourselves, getting our peace ourselves, um, that people feel compelled to keep bringing up their next prophetic word and their next, pro I, I've been kind of, anyway, I, I guess it's a comment and kind of a question. Uh, do we just need to mature as the body of Christ here more? Is that, I hear what you're saying and You've probably nailed it. This is a season where we really need to mature as a prophetic community. YouTube Christian Fellowship is a kind of rather clumsy fellowship. A lot of good stuff on YouTube, but a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. But he could have also said, if he wasn't so nice, the crazy you will always have with you. And they have a channel on YouTube. And they are toxic, they're angry, and they make all these misleading statements. Other stuff's more middle of the road, where it can be interesting enough content, but all they're really doing is ventilating opinion and maybe have a need to be heard, a need to be seen. As we mature, we can separate the wheat from the chaff. That's easy enough. And as the Lord matures the church, and as he puts people into the right setting, then they will be fruitful and productive in whatever that means, whatever that looks like. But we are going to experience a massive increase in holiness in the church. And that will bring more, all of us to a place where we dare not prophesy unless we know it's a real word from God. I'm going to be teaching on that at our final session tomorrow night. So the overlap between some of the questions that have been asked this morning and tomorrow night's teaching will give us a, a learning space where there's overlapping. And it deals with, as we move forward into revival and the coming reformation, then the whole prophetic realm is going to go through rather radical maturity processes.
you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.